Jesus' blood never fails me. He's never, it's never failed you. So think about that. Jesus' blood never fails me. Never has, never will. As long as you've accepted Christ into your life and you've pleaded the blood of Christ on you, forgiveness of your sins, Jesus' love has never failed you. But at Connection, we understand that we do it all the time, don't we? We fail him every day, all the time. This morning's message is called Daily Routine. And uh, we're going to do a couple things before we get into it. We're going to be in Luke chapter 9. Um, but if you have your worship handout, you'll notice if you open the front flap, there, there are uh, blanks that you can take uh, notes on. Uh, I had one of our, uh, and we don't actually video everybody in here if they take notes or not. And I don't get a, you know, I don't get a like printout sheet, you know, from, from the lead team saying, well, so-and-so was taking notes and so-and-so wasn't. Okay, we don't do that. Uh, but I was, I was contacted by someone, a uh, young person, younger person in our church, and I said, uh, Something that caught me kind of off. Maybe it, maybe it shouldn't. Maybe I should just come and expect this. But, but um, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't who it was. It was what they said. A person in their 20s contacted me last night, and we we're going to meet this week. Uh, but they said this. How can I pray for you as you prepare for tomorrow? That is one thing that we as Christians, we as followers... We really, really, really lack sometimes is the intentionality and the, and the praying specifically. And I'll share with, with you what that means, what, that, what that's meant in my life in the last week. But uh, this morning is our fourth Sunday to take uh, Touch Someone's Life gift offering. We're gonna, we have that. Uh, a couple people are going to come forward. Uh, if you're new to Connection, this is not for you. Um, we are going to pass along the, the popcorn bags because we have plenty. You guys can go ahead. Um, we take nickels and dimes, and, and let me tell you something. If you, if you are a person that say, hey, I, don't, I need 10 bucks to make a water payment. This is what I want you to do. I want you, seriously, you have my full permission and the lead team's permission. I want you to reach your hand in that bag, and if there's a piece of money that you need in there or two pieces of money that you need in there to pay a bill, I want you to take it. You're not going to hear that very often. We're not concerned about getting your money. We're, we're concerned about letting this money be used for God's service. Yesterday, we were coming out of... Uh, Oh, Emma had a birthday party at a, at a hotel on the, on the west edge of town. They had a swim party. We were coming out. And you guys have been there exactly the same position that I have been. We pulled up to the stoplight. There's somebody holding a sign. And it's very difficult in our day and age to maybe understand for sure or or for us to not know if those people are really struggling. It's very difficult. Maybe, maybe you've never felt this way, but I'm telling you, this is a real struggle with me. I, I, I love helping people. Um, we, we do help people. And uh, Mary said, I really feel like we should give him a couple dollars. Okay, fine. So we rolled the window down, and we motioned for him to come over, and we, and we, gave, him, we gave him the $2. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. A split second is the only contact that I had with that person. But he looked at me, and he looked at me. He didn't say, hey, thanks. He looked at me, and he said, I really appreciate this. I hope that you never have this happen to you. In the back seat sits our youngest daughter, Lydia. <laughs> and in Lydia fashion, 
see you're already laughing. She goes, Dad, why do we give that person money? It opened a whole new avenue. Let me tell you something. Teaching my daughter that lesson about helping people was worth way more than $2. But she saw it in action. It's a daily thing. It's a daily struggle that we have here uh, living on planet Earth. We, uh, we battle something that's pretty strong. Internally, we battle something that's very, very strong. You know what it is? It's ourself. January, there's lots of people that go to the gym. There's lots of people that do this. There's lots of people that do this. And, and we, we constantly fight with ourselves. To, man, listen, I, I've, I've dieted before. I, I, try, I try to eat right. I need to lose a little bit of weight, and that's one of my things for this year. But if you do two weeks and you're going really good, you can talk yourself into anything. I've told you this before. You can talk yourself into anything. You know what? I've been doing two weeks really good. I deserve. Whenever you say I deserve to yourself, you're already, you're already justifying something that already along the front. I deserve a Reese's peanut butter cup and add cookie dough blizzard. Now, if you don't know that, that's, that's, what's good. that's the blizzard that's going to be in heaven. Okay? That's my favorite. Okay? No, I'm just kidding. Reese's peanut butter cup and add cookie dough as if it wasn't bad for you. No, if you just toss in some cookie dough. And, and before you know it, you're in line. And before you know it, you have it in your hand. And when it gets in your hand, you're like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to savor every bite. And before you, the next thing you know, by the time you get home, you know, as you're driving with your knee, okay? I, I, won't, I won't say who that is, okay? But you're driving with your knee and you're, and you're pounding on this blizzard. You, before you get home, it's gone. And you're like, man, I should have done that, right? It's a con- and when we talk about spiritual things, it's a constant battle. I, lo- I, love, this vi- I love this video. Because as the man struggles through the video, he's carrying his cross. What does he tell God? God, it's too heavy. It's too heavy. He says, can you cut off a little bit? I don't want to suffer this much. I don't want it to be this difficult. Can you just cut off a little bit and let it be lighter? I'm going to tell you something. I've prayed that prayer. But it wasn't that God would cut off the part of my cross that I had to carry. He said he would strengthen me to be stronger to carry it more. And I prayed the other way too. God, can you just release this from my life? Can you just take this away? Can you, can, man, this person really doesn't like me. Can you just let them like me? Can you imagine the disciples praying this? Imagine the disciples who, who all gave their life for Christ saying, Jesus, after you leave, are you going to make it easier? And Jesus was very blunt in Luke chapter 9. He says, absolutely not. You actually have to pick up that cross. Every day. Spiritually, uh, metaphorically, the, the disciples did not walk around uh, the, the, new, the new Jerusalem after Jesus came, or the new, uh, the new covenant came, and, and they didn't walk around Jerusalem, and they did not preach while carrying crosses. Crosses were not used as jewelry in the first century. It was not there. It didn't happen. A cross today signifies beauty. Sometimes it, 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 uh, it, it says, I'm a believer, I'm a follower. Can you, Everybody that wears a cross is not a Christian. I'm going to put that out there. I have some Catholic friends, and they use a crucifix, and it's Jesus hanging on the cross. And I, I, listen, I'm not, <laughs> I, I'm not pushy with this, but if it's somebody that I know, I say, I'll say this. You know that he got off of there, right? And, and, he, and he gave up his life on that cross. And yes, that's a picture of exactly what happened, but he didn't stay there. Thank God he didn't stay there. 
If you would have stayed there, you and I should just go out and do whatever we want. We should not give money. We should not come here. We should not sacrifice to do anything. We shouldn't practice any instruments. We shouldn't glorify God because without Jesus coming, you and I don't have any hope at all. Now, I listened to two, three great preachers this week, and they encouraged us as I was in the audience getting preached to. They encouraged us to do something. If you feel like you want to say amen, you can. Free. We're going to practice. Ready? I want to count through. I'm going to one, two, three, and then you say amen. Okay? It's real, real easy. One, two, three. Amen. Hey, sweet. That's awesome. I was with 1,200 pastors from over six states this week, and we gathered together for one purpose. To all take our spiritual plug-ins and to plug in. And to be fed and to be taught and to be loved on and to be prayed for. There are people that you don't know and you will never meet this side of heaven that specifically prayed for some of you by name. Because I gave them your name. I said, let me, let me just write a list. One guy says, I want a list of specific names. I just began writing. <laughs> and I said, after you get done with that list, just say, the rest of people at Connection and God will cover it. <laughs> I said, I can't give you all those right now. But he was so excited. I'm excited to see you this morning. I've only had half a cup of coffee. The cup was this big. I'm, no, it really wasn't. I had a half a cup of coffee. And I, as I came out here this morning, you know, what, you know what happened to me? You know what Satan wanted to do to me today? And you're awful tired, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, I am. You got to go do this. And you got to be here early. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. You ever hear that? Just that repetitious repetitious negativity, you have to, you have to. And I said, no, 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 I get to. I get to because there may be somebody that comes in connection, maybe more than one person that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, and maybe today is the day that the gospel clicks in their head and in their heart, and they leave a completely different person than when they came. I get to, I get to. We don't have to. Jesus the epitome of somebody that did not have to, did. He got to. That's what he saw it as. He got to go to the cross. Listen, completely blunt and honest with you. The cross was the most hellish death anybody could ever think up in the first century. Listen, this was a time where this was almost a contest. They pulled people that believed in God. They pulled them apart. They cut limbs off, they cut fingers off, they cut tongues out, they gouged eyes out. They even put Christians who were alive and they soaked them in oil, they put them in a cage and they decided to light them on fire so they could light gardens for parties. But the crucifixion of a person was worse than that. Something that would last between six and eight hours of pain, shame. Completely disregarding anything self-worthy of yourself. You're hanging on a tree, barely clad in any type of clothing at all. And you've been beaten and hit. And you hung there till you eventually drowned. The cross is where Jesus paid for your sin. And as ugly and as nasty and as bloody and as painful as it is, it is 1,000% 
necessary for you and I in order to have a relationship with God. Our sin had to be paid for. Look at the blank in your first, in your first, your first blank in your worship handout with me. Look at this. And we'll talk a little bit about this. The cross is offensive. Some people, I've, I've, I've explained, and if you've done study on the crucifixion of the cross and what literally, physically, and anatomically happened to Christ on the cross, some people hear that story and go, ooh, blood, gross. It was the blood by which sets us free. It was necessary. But some people say, that's too offensive. Mm-mm. No, no, that's too offensive. If you want to talk about rating the crucifixion of Christ in movie land today in 2018, it's not rated G at all. But the Passion of Christ was rated R with all the blood. I've seen the Passion of the Christ one time. And I don't know about you, but I was sitting in the movie theater and I found myself in such agony and pain. And I'm watching it on a screen and the next thing I know, I, both of my fists are clenched like that, and I cannot stand it. And I wanted to stand up and say, quit hitting him. Quit. Quit hitting him. He didn't do anything. I should be there. should have hit me. The worst part in the whole entire movie, I'm not going to spoil it for you. The worst part in the whole entire movie with me is they, they, they put Jesus like this and they, they're beating his back and the, and the guard does this. He doesn't say a word, does this. It means turn him over and start hitting him here. I was done. I didn't watch part of it. I couldn't because too many people find it offensive. But <laughs> it is glorious to those who understand what happened there. Some of you don't like my word offensive. You don't like when people get offensive. I want this may be really sharp, and if it is, I'm sorry, not really. I'm not going to apologize for what God's word says. Some people in this earth, on this earth, and I'm talking Christian people, walk around the world, walk around this world, and they are offended. They're offended by things that they don't need to be offended about. If you understood how offensive your sin is to God, those words don't even have the same definition. Your sins were offensive enough that his son had to die. But isn't it glorious? Man, how can you look? How can you look on a brutally beaten, the Bible says, unrecognizable face, body, human, how can you look on that and say it's glorious? Because without the shedding of his blood, I don't have a chance to inherit heaven. And because he gave his life willingly, because he gave his life, I have accepted that. And even my most offensive day has been forgiven. My most offensive sin. I heard a lady this week, she said, when I wake up in the morning, I pray this prayer is beautiful, it's wonderful. I tried it this morning, and so far it's working really good. She says, God, she wakes up in the morning, she says, God, I know that nothing I can do today will make you love me less. It does not give you permission to do anything you want. But I, God, I, I cannot do anything 
to make you love me less. And please let me understand that I can't do anything to make you love me more. And she goes, at that moment, you're free. You're free to live, to play, to have fun. Jack said, we should, we should encounter everybody in our everyday life. I tell you what, there's a whole lot of people that don't know Jesus that need to find some Christians that have some kind of personality other than being mad. Have fun. Good grief. You get to die on this earth and go to heaven. Is anyone here? You get to leave this in the next breath you enter heaven. Singing, rejoicing. I don't, I mean, you just come in like a fastball. Woo! That's my Ric Flair impersonation. Anybody like wrestling? Ric Flair? Woo! Four horsemen, sweet. All right. Enough of Ric Flair. <laughs> Ric Flair didn't go to the cross. The cross is glorious. Jesus in scripture in, in Luke chapter 9 Jesus has just done something absolutely unbelievable. Everybody that, uh, everybody that went to the Casa dinner uh, last night, I heard that they, they came out of there and they were completely stuffed full. I mean, just, I, I don't want to eat anymore. Because they cooked enough food. They had leftovers. Jesus had just done the greatest fish fry in the world. He had taken the fish, he had taken the bread, and he had fed 5,000 men. Men would be who they counted. There was probably way more than that. And they finished, and the disciples, he, <laughs> can you imagine this? He talks to the disciples, he goes, hey, they go pick up the leftovers. Jesus, we literally gave them like a Lunchable for all of them. There's not going to be anything left in them when they came back. There were baskets, right? Jesus had just performed this miracle. Then, then Jesus talks to Peter, and he says, Peter, who do people say that I am? Some people called him a great magician. Some people called him a lunatic. Some people called him a liar, which he was falsely and wrongly accused of being blasphemous and sent to the cross. And some people, like Peter, called him Lord. Because he responds, he said, he said, you are the Messiah. Oh, my. So right after we have this huge, awesome, cool miracle, then Peter talks to him. Jesus drops this bomb. Look at verse 21 in chapter 9 on, your, on, your, on, your, on the screen or in your Bible. So before all of this started, Jesus gives instructions. Looking back, if you've read anything about the disciples, how, well, how good are they at keeping anyone for that matter? Jesus meets with the Samaritan woman at the well, right? And what does he say? You know, he, he, all these people that he healed, and he says, hey, um, don't. What do they do? They run back and they're screaming. Hey! Right? Anybody have kids? And, 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 you, and they get to an age and old, that you think that they're old enough for Christmas present surprises? Some of you are like, I have teenage kids. They're still not good at that. Okay. Just, and and I, remember, I love this. I won't tell you who did it. <laughs> my dad bought my mom something for Christmas. And made it, we made it all the way to Christmas morning. We made it all the way to mom holding the present. And then, poo, it's this, it's this, it's this. You ever been around that? You're like, oh, okay, oh, it is, right. And if you like surprises, you're like, you know, it makes you mad. Jesus warns his disciples not to tell anyone who he was. Why? He had just asked Peter. He just asked him, Peter, who do people say that I am? 
This is, this is the reason why. The disciples were not going to understand currently at this moment in time that the Messiah, Jesus, they knew who he was, but they did not know. They didn't understand that the reason the Messiah came was not to be like King David and conquer everything, but this Messiah came to die. And they would not have understood that. No, Jesus, no, smoke him. Literally, it's what people, the Jewish people want, wanted the Messiah to come down and they wanted to say, conquer everybody, lift us up, be the king, gold chariot wheels, everything. And Jesus came as a carpenter's son. And many people, just because, just because, just because, just because, he came in a form of humility. If you were in Connect Group last week, there's a story in Joshua about when Joshua conquers Jericho. Some of the craziest military orders I've ever seen in my life. March around the city. Where's the cannons? March around the city. Where's the, where's the guns? March around the city. Oh, we're going to climb it? March around the city. For six, six days, one time. And the seventh day, walk around it seven times. Blast the trumpets. God, these are trumpets. God took all the weapons out of their hands because when the walls came tumbling down, and the Bible says that not one was on top of another one. When the walls came tumbling down, Joshua could take no credit. It was all God. That's it. It was all him. And we see that, that in there, that there's, that there's a former prostitute and her family that are saved. Rahab, who hid the spies. Didn't click with me, but if you want to do some researching, you want to find out why God spared Rahab and why God has, maybe you're going through right now and you don't understand why God is letting something happen. God always has a plan and it's always perfect. Now watch this. If you look in the first chapter of Matthew and you look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ, Rahab is there in the lineage of Jesus. That's why. Jesus has that lineage fulfilled. He's here. And he warns his disciples, don't, don't, don't. Look at verse 22. They would have understood this first four words because Daniel called Jesus the Son of Man 700 years before he came to earth. And Jesus says here, the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things. There's no way the disciples got all of this. It's been a little while since I took pre-calculus and trigonometry. I subbed at a school for a math teacher uh, a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, oh, I want to see how much I remember. No. I'm like, oh, that's cool. It's like a, there's no numbers. (laughs) Math has numbers. (laughs) I know you have to find this, and this is a number. I'm like, no. No, I completely forgot that. It would have been just like when Jesus was talking to disciples, said he will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead. If you don't think that Jesus has the full knowledge of the incarnate God in his body, look at what he just says. He just calls it. Better than any game of pig you've ever played. Any bank shot, any off the ceiling, nothing. Jesus said, this is how it's going to happen. A human being couldn't do that. A human being did not have the knowledge in the mind of, of, of God. And he did. He said, this is how it's going to go down, guys. He would be the sacrificial offering. 
but he would be raised. Yeah, okay, he has to die. But on the third day, he'll be raised again. If you look at stories of the resurrection, it clicks in their head about the third day. Oh, didn't he, didn't he say that? Didn't he say that on the third day he was going to come up from the dead? See, when we look at the cross and what Jesus says here in the scripture, we must understand this next blank in your worship handout. Look at this. I want, you, I want you to look at this very closely. Yes, there's a blank to fill in a, uh, there's a, blank to fill in a word. The word confronts is not in your, in your handout, so you write it in. The cross confronts our sin. If you're into taking notes, and if you're into looking at what God has for you this morning, I want you to underline a word that's not going to be fun for you to underline. I want you to underline our. And underneath that, I want you to write mine. My sin. The cross confronts my sin. So many times. So often. I pray. And I think. Next time. He's not going to listen. You ever been there? Next time. (laughs) He's not going to listen. He's never not heard me. He doesn't go away. The cross confronts because that's where it was paid for. You and I couldn't get there. So if the cross confronts our sin and it pays for it, on the cross, Jesus had to go through beatings and floggings and and all kinds of horrific stuff. And you've probably heard this before. But if he was willing, if he was willing to die for you, ask yourself this question. I asked myself this question this week, and I didn't really like the answer that I got. But if Jesus was willing to die for you on the cross, why is it so hard for you to live for him? Why is it so easy for us to spout off at the mouth? Why is it so easy for us to have pride on all things that we know all the answers and we can never be taught anything? Why is it so easy for us to just do what we want, do just what you want? Why is it so easy for us to go against what God says? Even Paul has this argument. The things that I don't want to do, I end up doing them. The things I do want to do, I don't do them. Why is it so easy for us to just completely disregard what the cross has done and say, no, I'm going to live how I want to live. This is what Jesus is, is talking about to these disciples. He's saying You guys need to get over yourself because it's not about you. The gospel is not about you. It's not about me either. This entire Bible, no, it has my name in it. Just because that's that's how my mom and dad picked out my name. Other than me being included in some use in here and the world in here and and some other some other language in here, this Bible has me in it, but it and has you in it, but it has it does not point to you and me. We are not about getting pointed to in the Bible. It's all about Christ. It's all about the coming Messiah, what he would do to pay for our sin. It confronts it. If you understand what the cross is, that's where you found freedom. Maybe sometimes we don't, we don't remember what it was like to not be a Christian. 
Maybe we forget about what it's not, what, we can't remember. We don't think about it often. What was it like to, to live my life before Christ? Some of us got we're, accepted salvation at an early age. Maybe, maybe you can't. But you've been through some stuff in life. Man, <laughs> wow. What was my life like when I wasn't walking with Christ? How well did that go for you? We don't have time to tell you Matt's stories on that. The cross confronts our sin. And when Jesus later will will tell these disciples to pick up your cross, not physically, spiritually, every day. If the cross is not confronting your sin daily, there is a problem in your relationship with God. There is, because it's not close enough. Sometimes the cross confronts my sin many, 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 many more times than I would ever like to admit to you in a day. I find myself, God, I shouldn't have acted like that. I'm sorry. Going back to the people. What I said was smart. Like, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. It confronts us. But only if you have it right here. You have to have it. Look at verse 23. Then he said to the crowd. <laughs> I'm telling you, Jesus was not mic'd up for this. But is, this is a mic drop moment. There are many of him, many of Jesus' mic drop moments. This is one of those. Then he said to the crowd, <clears throat> if any of you wants to be my follower, man, I've started off conversations like this to teams just like this. Instead of follower, I said, if you want to be on my team, if you want to play on this team, I was put in charge of a group of young people, guys or girls, whatever, and I would say, listen, this is how we do it on this team. I have players that are in here right now that I've coached, and I have some of their parents that are in here. And if I said, hey, is that the way that we go from one court to the other court? And they're walking? They know the answer is no. They run everywhere. We run everywhere we go. We give 110% every single day. And my volleyball girls have heard this. I said, we don't play, we don't play volleyball like girls. Number four, I said, we play volleyball like guys. Strong, hard, play the game tough. Slide, get on the ground, get up. Get up quickly. Always stay down. Be ready to pass. Be ready to be aggressive. No free balls. So I'll tell some of our hitters, that's the people that get the spike. It's, it's like the drummer of a band. It's like the cool thing to do. You know, the setter never gets credit or they get blamed for everything. There's one of my setters in here. She'll agree with that. Okay. So she, somebody passes the ball to the setter and then they, they set it up. And if everything goes right, then dun, da, 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 Superman of volleyball comes in. Boom. And if they smoke it, like just smoke it right through the defense on the ground, everybody in the stands goes, yeah. And if the setter kind of botches it up a little bit, everybody in the stands goes, you're not setting it right. Listen, she's here. She's going to agree with me. Jesus is setting them up. He says, listen. I tell, I tell some of our hitters, I said, I said, do I need to take something off of that? No. No, no, no. No. Harder. Well, this is, this, is, this, is a girl, this is how girls operate, some of them. Well, what if I hit somebody? <laughs> right on, right? I'm not out there to hurt people, but put it to where they can't play it back over. Jesus is giving them instructions. This is my team. If you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Oh, wow. When I coach, I try to teach far more than volleyball. Far more. They know that I'm a pastor. They know the other coaches involved greatly at his church. They know this. So I said this. 
She's in here. You can check anything that I say. We had a team meeting, and I said, one of the things that I want you to do this year is teams that don't work together don't accomplish anything. So when you walk into this gym or you walk out of that locker room and you suit up and you're in your your uniform or whatever, and you step onto this floor, check your attitude in the locker room. Keep your attitude off this floor. It's not about you. We're a team. We have to play together. Any successful team, only junior high just completed an undefeated junior high season in girls basketball, won a state championship yesterday. Never got beat. I guarantee you, if you ask them, there's not one player said, it was all me. If they say that, I'm going to be really honest, they're lying. It's not about them. It wasn't about individuals. Jesus is saying, if you want to be on my team, he's the coach. Now, I know that some of these people, not my players, some players I've seen in summer leagues, they want to. I don't play second base. I'm sorry, what did you say? I don't play second base. My mom and dad says I'm a shortstop. Sounds like you're going to right field on my team. You're not going to tell me what you're going to do, but th- wait, before, before you laugh, we stand on the field playing for God, and God says, I want you to do this. He goes, no, I'm far more suited to do what I like to do. And he goes, this is not how we roll. I don't like to hear that either. Okay, I don't like to hear that. Say, God, I could do this. That's not what I called you to do. I could do this. It's not what I called you to do. And then when he says something that's not a, that's not a job that's quote unquote highlighted, we say, no, my resume is too good for that. I can't do that. It's not enough spotlight. We do this. Jesus says, I want you to be on my team, but you have to give up your own way. Yikes. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Paul reiterates and he goes back to the cross daily and I've died, I have to die to myself every day. And we're talking about us becoming less and Christ becoming more. And let me tell you something, it doesn't happen unless you confront your sin daily. Multiple times during the day. Do you know what this, this world would look like if Christians owned up to when they messed up and then they went to apologize? There would be far more people entering into the kingdom of heaven after their death. I'm just going to tell you that. They would see a real live faith. They would see a faith that's living, that's always, that God's always working on us. In verse 24, it says, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. I want to do what I want, Jesus. I want to do what I want. The translation of lose it means you're not going to have any effect on the kingdom. Or if you, if you choose your own path of salvation without Christ, you're going to inherit hell. That's it. There is nothing else. But if you give up your life, I don't want to do that. Do you? How many people woke up this morning and said, God, I'll do anything. Anything's a key word. I'll do anything that you want me to do today. You may have said it. But when it comes down to it, God says, hey, you, 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 said, any, you said anything. Yeah, but I'm more cut out to be a shortstop. I didn't know you were going to ask me to do this. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll use it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Giving up your life for my sake, Jesus' sake, is this. It's inconvenient. It's painful. It is. It is. It's sacrificial. 
it hurts here. It hurts here. It hurts right here. You say, well, what happened? This is where I keep my wallet. I want to spend it on what I want to spend it on. I could have not ever been more proud than my wife yesterday. She goes, I, I think that God wants us to. We don't give it to every. We don't give money to every single person. We just can't. I wish we could. We can't. But we give what we can when we can. And she said, I, think, I really think that we need to give to that person. I said, okay. Hey, man, come over. And Lydia in the back seat, why did we give money to a guy we don't know? That's a six-year-old. But watch this. I said, because that's what God tells us to do. You know what she said? Okay. You know what I got home? You know what I did? I walked into my house. I, I went through the kitchen and I turned through our laundry room and I went into my little office study area and I hit my knees and I said, God, please make me a sixth grader or six-year-old spiritually. Let me see how much you do for me every day that I take for granted. Give me the faith that Lydia has. Give me the faith that Emma has. Give me the faith that our kids at our church have. That without any knowledge or anything, when you say something about God, they say, I'll do it. They bought into this all. You want to you be on my team? Yes, give me a jersey. Where do you want me to play? These are the kids that we're raising up. Hey, where am I needed? How can I serve? Last month, the Touch Someone's Life gift was given away by two high schoolers. Tell me where you were high school age. Were you there? I was not at all. Oh, I was there at church. I was a pastor's kid. I have to uphold my reputation. It lasted about three hours a week. Four if I had to go to youth group on Wednesday, which I always had to go. I was voluntold to go. I'm so thankful for that. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. When God has ever moved, my wife and I, to give to someone, be it financially or food or something. Let me tell you something. When, it, when he has moved, and we have literally, we have. I have asked this God would move in our life. And he would say, he said, I really think that we would just get this, this pull. We can meet this need. And I would tell Mary, and she goes, good night. That's a lot of money. I don't know if you've seen our budget lately, which I had. Because that's a lot of money. And I said, but I really think that God is calling us to do this. Do you know that not one time we have ever given because God has told us to give and we felt like we got cheated? Not one time. Not once. And in fact, we haven't received the monetarily blessings back, but I'm telling you, when you, when you give, just test them. God says test them. Do it. In verse 25, he goes on. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world? But you are yourself lost or destroyed. He who dies with the most toys wins, is what it said on the No Fear t-shirt in about 1996. Anybody remember No Fear t-shirts? Okay, they're awesome. They're just awesome. It was like, it was the, the coolest shirts you could have on. And it said, he who dies with the most toys wins. This is what the Bible says. He who dies with the most toys still dies. What'd you do with your money? When you, when you leave this earth, this is a question I ask myself all the time. I said, what will they say at my funeral? I want to live my life on this world so the preacher doesn't have to lie at my funeral. Oh, Matt was a great man. And the people that are sitting in the front row are going, no, he wasn't. <laughs> I 
I want to live my life in a way that I leave a legacy. Not about, Matt was such a good person. This is what I want to hear. This is what I want to hear people say out of their mouth. Nothing about Matt. But hear this. Matt was a guy that loved Jesus Christ. Matt was a guy that Jesus Christ changed his life. And Matt changed. He was different. Matt picked up his cross as often as he could. There's days that you go by without picking up your cross. Me too. Let's just get over that hump. Nobody's going to say every day we get a perfect attendance for 87 years of doing something. We're not going to do it every day. We're called to do it. I want people to look at my life and I want to say, man, I remember when, hmm, I didn't know about him. He turned out to be an okay guy. He helped me one time. I got to help him. He loved me. I want people to see that I love them. And if you are here, I want you to know something. I don't know everybody's background. I don't know all of your kids. I don't even know where all of you live. But I will tell you one thing. That because of Jesus Christ's love for me on that cross, and he has changed my life so much, I desperately love you. I love you enough to tell you the truth, to tell you what Jesus said, and to tell you that there is hope. If you're hopeless, there's hope in the cross of Christ. I love you that much. I don't want to spend eternity without any one of you. I don't want to spend eternity without anybody in our community. I had a friend come and say, we're, they're thinking about planning, planning a church. You know what you do when you're a pastor and you hear somebody's going to plant a church? Oh, you don't want to plant a church there. There's not anybody there. Because they're your people that they're going to plant by, right? This person told me, we're going to plant a church. And you know what I said? I said, that's awesome. We have 15,000 people. There's about 8,000 that don't go anywhere any Sunday. There's plenty. If everybody in Mount Vernon decided to go to church, we do not have room for all of them. We do not. If everybody came over from Wayne City and Blueford and, and everybody started coming to any, any church, we do not have room. Old-fashioned tents in the, in, the, in the parking lot is what would happen. And you still don't have the parking for everybody. My heart hurts for people in this area that don't know Jesus Christ. And there are some things that are coming up in our connect group starting next month that you're going to learn how to love people how they need to be loved. Huh, what's that? You know that when you show compassion or love to your wife or spouse, they don't necessarily show the same love back to you. You love different ways. Mary comes home. She looks in the kitchen. She hangs her purse up and she looks in the kitchen and she does this. And there are no dishes. I'm getting kissed. So I like to do dishes. You know, when my wife comes up to me, mine, mine, mine is touch. Mine is touch in words of affirmation. My wife will come up to me. Even last night I was sitting in, the, in, our, in our love seat. She came up behind me. And I was watching TV and she put her hands on me. She leaned down and she says, I'm so proud of you. And I'm so glad to be your wife. I'm like, ooh. Girls aren't the only one that go, ooh. They're not. So if we are, if we are compassionate and we're, and, we're, and we're passionate about the people in our community, why shouldn't we study on how to love them? Don't miss it. Get into a connect group. If you don't want to go to somebody's house, come here on Wednesdays. Come here on Wednesdays. 
Okay? They're in the book. We do not have, or in the handout. We don't have them this week. Come, come, come and learn how to. I, that book has changed my life. We're going to be studying through the five love languages. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. You'll find out that you, man, why, why does whenever Matt's dad comes into the church or whenever he sees him, he gives him a hug and sometimes when he walks by him, he just elbows him or hits him in the shoulder. Because I have, my, some of my love languages is touch. I love to hug my dad. I can get my arms all the way around my dad now. He's lost 175 pounds. It's cool. 36 years old, first time I ever did it in my life, put my arms all the way around my dad. The only problem is now he keeps the air, or he keeps the heat on like 78 because he has no insulation. But 26, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the son of man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the father and the holy angels. You're going to be judged for everything that you do. Matt, why are you challenged to pick up our cross? Because one day you're going to give an account for everything that you've done. And some of you right now are going, oh boy. This is not a conversation that we can even begin to dive into in the next 10 minutes. But if anyone is ashamed of me and my message, Jack said, I'm not afraid of talking about Christ. I'm not afraid of talking about Jesus. The kingdom of God in any, in any situation, jungle of um, Tanzania, Africa, uh, the, the, the poverty nation of Ghana, into the, all the way, if you go to South Africa, to Cape Town, you see Victoria Falls. Affluent area, jungle area, unreached people area, war zones in Africa, war zones in the United States. This formula works every single place in the world. Love them. Love them. Jesus says, I want you to just tell people about me. Tell people about me. You read, I go, I'm going through uh, the book called Radical, written by David Platt, and I've read it several times, but I'm going through it with some of our, our younger men in our church. Let me tell you something. David Platt tells stories about people that had literally never heard of the name of Jesus. Never heard of him. I talked to a missionary friend of mine. He's been in the... Uh, over in Asia, can't really go into specifics on where he's been. Like, really, I'm not joking. It was that dangerous. And he said, I just want to go tell him. I want to hug him all. He goes, actually, if I could bring him all home, I would. He said, I led a Bible study one time. And two of my friends that I, that I made friends with were, were Muslims. And these guys came to the Bible study. And he said, I got into the gospel. Got into talking about Jesus. And I talked to him and I said, your sin has been paid for. All you need to do is believe and, and let Jesus Christ be the Lord of your life. You know what they said? Watch, watch this. It sounds too easy. It is easy. You don't have to endure the cross. You don't have to live the life to do the eightfold path. You don't, have to do, you don't have to try to work to a life that equals nirvana. You don't have to do all these different things of these world religions. We're the only religion in the entire world where the creator dies for the creation. And then, he, then these, these Muslim guys go, it's too easy. The second time that they attended, he explained the gospel again. And he said, I never knew. Listen to these words. The, one of the Muslim guys goes, I never knew that I was loved that much by somebody that I didn't know. And both of those guys accepted Christ. By the way, after they do that, they're completely disowned from their family. 
there's a price to believing in Christ. It goes on. Get the next blank in your, in your worship handout. This is what we have to do. We are to be bold for Christ, and we have to represent him well. How do they see you? Listen, we're just going to be, we're just an honest church, so this is what I'm going to tell you, because there, there's many of you that have the same story as I did. I walk across, I would, I, walk, I would walk across campus as a freshman, sophomore, sometimes even a junior, across campus, and I would be asked one of two questions. Number one. Matt, they wouldn't call me Matt, they called me Grizz. And they said, Grizz, when, when and where do you guys play baseball this week? And I would tell them. That's what I would do. That's, that's the one question. And I wish the other question was, hey, can you tell me more about Christ? But that's not the question that they asked me. They said, hey, where's the party? Baseball or party has nothing to do with Christ. Because I wasn't bold. That's, something, that's, one, of my, that's one of my biggest regrets in my entire life. When I chose to be serious about God in college, I got to see five of my friends on the baseball team come to Christ. Five of them. But the problem is I didn't stay that way very long. It wore off. I wanted to be popular. I didn't represent him well. What, what do people see when they see you? And I hope they see people that love. Oh, I hope that they see connection people that, that are people that love. Look at verse 27. Look at this. And I tell you the truth. Some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God. What? Well, this is, where the, this is where the disciples get confused. They think Jesus is going to go up to heaven for a couple weeks. He's going to come back. Like, literally, that's what they thought. They thought that they were going to, in their lifetime, see Christ come back. That's what they thought. Jesus told them this, and they could have believed what they thought, but this is, this is why. Peter, James, and John are standing right here listening to Jesus speak. Peter, James, and John were present with Jesus Christ as he ascended into heaven. They got to see First of all, they saw the incarnate Jesus. They watched him eat, by the way. Ghosts do not eat. Slimer's the only one on Ghostbusters, and he doesn't keep it in him. Check it out. I'm just, I'm just telling you. But Jesus ascends to the, to the Father in front of these men. I'm, I'm asked this quite often. What do you think that looked like? I don't know. Maybe Star Trek had it down. I don't know. He said, beam me up, God. I don't know. Okay, but he, he ascended into heaven. As we, as we keep on this, on this dialogue for one more, one more week about us having to become less, can we, can we just get to the truth that we, we have to? We ha- Our lives are too short. Some of us in this room, some of you have grandkids, and you thought, how in the world does that happen? Some of you had, have kids that are in high school, and you would swear that last week they were starting the third grade. There is no way possible that I have a fourth grader and a first grader. Some of you feel the same way about my kids because you were here at Connection whenever we started. Mary and I didn't even have kids. Now we have these kids that are getting older. And I used to, you know, I used to be like, man, whatever age my dad was, I'm like, that's a long way away, right? I don't really think like that anymore. I'm like, man, how in the world am I 37, almost 30? How, how, how does that happen? We're a vapor. You're not here very long. What are you going to do with it? The gift that you've been given is precious. What are you going to do with it? Where are you going to go? Who are you going to tell? Who are you going to love? Let's start by doing that right now.
You have that Testament life gifts? You do? Cool. I have two of them. Two of them, two of them. You guys are so awesome. Thank you. They're just checking their math. There's no letters. There's $63.35 in each bag. Somebody? Anybody? Come on. Come on, Andrew. Who else? Everybody's done it, so we're just recycling people. Who wants to do it again? There you go. Thank you, sir. Another high schooler. If that does not, if that does not just jack you up inside spiritually, something is way wrong, and your wood is way too wet for God to start a fire. We have high school students that are understanding what God wants them to do, and that doesn't change, by the way, as we get older. God still wants us to serve. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. God, would you just remind us that every day. Every day, God, every day we are to look at your cross and what you've done for us. And God, that our lives should reflect that love to other people. So when other people see us, they see a changed person. We become magnetic for your kingdom. It's not about us, God. Would you, would you seriously, God, would you come into our minds and our hearts and God, would you Help us to seek you more regularly than we do. God, can we daily seek to ask a question? Not, God, what do you want me to do today? But God, who can I share your love with? We love you, God. We thank you so much for the cross of Christ on which the payment for our sin was paid. And we love you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.